0: I'm Haley B. Miller, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the was it a bribe edition. This week, we're talking about a new development in the House Bill 6 saga, what happened with Ohio's new statehouse maps. How one Republican wants to change the new marijuana law, and why a controversial higher education bill may not end up passing. Joining me today is Jesse Baumert. Hello, thanks for having me. So our first topic is the scandal that never seems to end: House Bill Six and First Energy. This week, attorneys suing First Energy said they wanted to depose Lieutenant Governor John Husted and find out what he knew about a payment made to Sam Randazzo, the former chairman of the Public Utilities Commission of Ohio. The company gave Randazzo $4.3 million and said up front that it was a bribe. Now, Randazzo has denied this, and at this point, he has not been charged with any crimes. Deposing Husted seems like a pretty big step. What do they think he knows about this?
1: Yeah, I think this will be interesting because the question on this particular scandal has always been, how high up does it go and how many people does it involve? And um, from the beginning, there's been questions about... You know, whether former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder, who was sentenced to 20 years in prison earlier this year as part of this scandal, was kind of the top of, of the situation. And so I believe what the attorneys are trying to find out is more about Rendazzo, his appointment um, to lead the Public Utilities Commission of Ohio, how that money was um, provided to him and what Ohio's leaders knew about it. I think they'll probably also want to know about the passage of House Bill 6. That was something that uh, Lieutenant Governor was advocating for. And in some instances uh, for Synergy, the company that was going to get this bailout was thinking that he was really in their corner trying to advocate for a longer bailout, a longer subsidy for the company and its subsidiaries. And so we'll kind of see what comes of this. These are depositions, so we might not get all of the details unless this goes to trial.
0: So you mentioned, you know, there's a question of how far this goes up. And to that end, these attorneys are also subpoenaing a bunch of records from Governor Mike DeWine. What are they looking for there?
1: So they're looking for things about how House Bill 6 passed. They're looking for donations in 2018 and potentially 2020 as well. Another thing that is interesting is, um, Governor DeWine asked First Energy for donations for his daughter's county prosecutor bid in Greene County. She ultimately did not win that race. And so that's not necessarily illegal. But I think the question is just how much influence this company had. It's worth noting that this is a civil lawsuit. And so attorneys can go pretty far in requesting information from people who, you know, might just know something that would lead towards a resolution of the lawsuit. They've not been subpoenaed or or anything like that in the criminal case, which is also ongoing not
0: that you're a psychic necessarily but i think this was a question after the householder and borges trials are we expecting more criminal charges
1: i think the expectation all along is that there would be more criminal charges and the people who seemed most likely to face those criminal charges after listening to you know weeks of testimony were some former first energy executives because you say you know we've convicted the people who were bribed but what about the bribers And then um, Sam Rendazzo has come up quite a bit. First Energy itself, when it did its deferred prosecution agreement, said that they bribed two people, um, Householder and Rendazzo. Rendazzo has, of course, denied that. So those are the logical next steps, but um, the federal prosecutors aren't telling me who they're going to arrest next.
0: That's disappointing. All right, next up is another never ending story redistricting. The Ohio Supreme Court ruled this week that Ohio's new state House and Senate districts are good to go through 2030. These maps give Republicans the upper hand in 62% of House districts and 70% of Senate seats. Democrats backed these maps, but redistricting advocates said they were unfair and they sued. Republicans on the Supreme Court disagreed, and that vote by Democrats kind of came back to haunt them.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. The Ohio Supreme Court really decided that because this was a bipartisan vote of the Ohio Redistricting Commission, this was a completely different set of facts from what they had been deciding previously, which was repeatedly rejecting these maps that were passed by Republican map makers over the objections of Democrats. And so they're saying, hey, this is just like a bird of a different feather. And so we're going to dismiss this case. And if you want to bring these complaints, you could file a new lawsuit. But just like logistically, people need to file in these seats and the end of December. So this is the end of the legal challenge. Also, we've had a change on the balance of the Ohio Supreme Court since the last time these decisions were being made. uh, Former Supreme Court Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor, who was a big swing vote in the past redistricting decision, she was unable to run again because of age limits on judges and was replaced with Sharon Kennedy. The new Chief Justice was fine with kind of the maps as they were written before. And so that change in leadership, the change on the balance of the Ohio Supreme Court, it's just going to be a problem for people who don't like these maps.
0: And I feel like the makeup of the court was kind of one of the rationales that Democrats presented when they voted for these maps. I think they saw the writing on the wall, figured that a Republican majority on the state Supreme Court would not agree with them, even if The maps did get challenged and, you
1: know, they were right. Yeah, Democrats have taken a lot of heat for these votes, and I think that could be reasonable. Um, I think they thought they were in a pretty bad negotiating position, and they were. And so they are advocating and other people are advocating for taking this process out of the hands of politicians entirely. Uh, There is a proposed constitutional amendment that's working towards the 2024 ballot that would put this in the hands of a 15-member Citizens Commission instead. We're not sure if that's going to make the ballot, but that's one possibility there. And they're collecting signatures now, right? Correct. They started collecting signatures. So we'll see if we do redistricting again in two years. Yay!
0: More maps. Our third topic for the day is marijuana, which I think we've talked about pretty much every week since the November election. Republican leaders are still figuring out what changes they want to make to the new recreational marijuana law. As we've talked about before, Senate President Matt Huffman and Governor Mike DeWine want to tackle this before the law takes effect December 7th, which is like a week from now. House Speaker Jason Stevens, on the other hand, is operating with less urgency But, you know, he said representatives in the House are talking and trying to figure out something that they can all get behind. Then there's Representative Gary Click. He introduced a bill this week that would let cities ban marijuana use and home grow. It would also change up the revenue distribution and some of that money would go toward police training. I'm not really sure how far this bill will go, but I guess it's at least a start.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest challenge right now as we sit here on a Thursday is knowing what is feasible to pass within a week. Um, Just because passing any legislation through the uh, current General Assembly has been challenging. There's a lot of divisions between the House and the Senate and then Republicans even within the House. And so, one of the challenges to this is they're going to need an emergency clause. So they just they need more than just the majority of of folks in the House and the Senate to make any sort of change immediately. And so that just seems like a really untenable position. That being said, I think they're going to try to make something happen. But I guess as a person who's covered this more closely, what do you think is the most likely thing to pass within a week?
0: Honestly, probably nothing just because, again, I don't think this is actually going to happen that quickly, although these guys have surprised me before. I know that there's generally some consensus around clarifying the rules for public consumption. I think a lot of folks are interested in changing where the money goes. Now, there's disagreements within that debate about who should get the funding, whether it should be police training, schools, things like that. But the difference in timelines is, I think, what's really going to hinder any progress on this before the end of the year, because while the law takes effect December 7th, legal sales in Ohio are not going to start for a while. And so because of that, you have Stephen saying we don't actually really need to rush this much.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing that's interesting is how much can they change before Ohio voters get upset and feel like they're dismantling something that they passed, you know, 57% of the vote. And so I think if you have like minor changes around the edges, most people maybe don't pay attention. But at the point in which it becomes harder to access legal marijuana in the state of Ohio, I think that's probably going against the will of what the majority of people who showed up to vote wanted to do. Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Our final topic is the fate of an unpopular higher ed overhaul that would ban most diversity training on campus. It passed the Senate earlier this year, but it's been stuck in a House committee ever since. I think probably five or six months now. Speaker Jason Stevens said it doesn't have enough support and he's not exactly trying to push for a floor vote. He kind of joked about this to reporters the other day. Now, this was an interesting twist because the sponsor, Senator Jerry Serino, just agreed to some changes on it to get it through the House.
1: Yeah, some of the changes that Senator Serino um, got on board with, most notably, was there was a ban on strikes um, at either the professor or the staff level that was removed from the provision. There were some other changes that were added to the bill in order to try to garner maybe not Democratic support, but maybe union-friendly Republican support in the Ohio House. But there are still a lot of issues that are sticking points on this bill. Um, some of the most recent language was about this thing called retrenchment, which is essentially when you have programs that don't have enough students or don't have enough like people in them and you kind of reduce or eliminate those programs, what happens with the staff or the tenured faculty who used to teach those classes and who would be making those decisions. And uh, there's some real concern that that's just like another way of union busting and so forth. So, but at the heart of this issue is really whether universities are too liberal or not a you know, accepting place for conservative students. And there were a number of people who testified this week, professors and students who said that just the underlying premise isn't accurate. So there's just a disagreement between kind of the left and the right about whether universities are safe, open spaces for Republican or conservative ideas.
0: Yeah, it's been a really contentious bill. And I think from what I can gather, if the House declines to take action on this you know senate president matt huffman said it'll be back and it could be back at a time when senate president matt huffman becomes speaker matt huffman and so maybe in that situation he could get it through the house a few things have to happen before we get to that moment but i definitely don't see this going away
1: Yeah, it really seems to be a priority bill for both the Senate president and then Senator Jerry Serino, who's the sponsor on this bill. This is the 11th version. So they have made a lot of changes to try to build consensus on um, this particular bill or at least get enough votes to get it through the House. But, you know, whether that's going to be a sticking point, I know, you know, the vast majority, if not all of the Democrats, are going to vote against it in the House. And so, You're really trying to work on a few Republicans in that chamber to see if you have the numbers.
0: And one more super weird thing before you go. The Ohio Supreme Court suspended an attorney this week for pooping in a Pringles can and then throwing it into the parking lot of a crime victim advocacy center. This guy's a defense attorney and his defense was that he just does this
1: sometimes Yeah, I feel like Florida man is infamous and this week it's become a little Ohio man between this and comments made by a bill by an Ohio legislator. So I don't know. It's made me think about Pringles in a whole new way. Ohio Politics Explained is
0: brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can check us out on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ohio Explained.